pray with me. Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks for your word. Lord, we ask that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, Lord, that we would encounter you this morning and be changed by having been with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would grab a seat. Well, again, good morning. I just want to commend uh, Mike. That was a tough reading. There were some names in there. You did an awesome job, buddy. Very well done. Very well done. Uh, this morning, we are continuing in uh, a series that we've been in called Silence and Solitude. And we're in week four. And uh, in this series, basically what we've been doing is we've been looking at this practice of Jesus called Silence and Solitude because we are a people who are anxious, like we just heard about Jesus. We are anxious people. We are busy people. We are tired people. And so we need, I think, to recover this practice of Jesus called silence and solitude. And we've talked about that. We've talked about what it means. It means just simply to get time alone with God. And we've talked about some of the obstacles that can keep us from entering into this practice of silence and solitude. And then last week, we, we turned and we, we asked the question, but what does it look like when you get there? It, it can be so hard just to carve out that time, but what happens when you actually arrive at silence and solitude? What happens in that space? And to help us answer that question, we've been looking at the life of Elijah. Uh, we just read about um, Elijah, this Old Testament prophet. And we're looking at his life because uh, in his life he enters into this practice of silence and solitude, this time alone with God, and he goes through what we've described as kind of steps or stages. It's, uh, it's kind of what you might, you know, after the fact, look at and say, it seems like there's some intentional things that are happening here that led him into this practice of silence and solitude. And so we, we've kind of named them, we've come up with seven terms to help us kind of think through how we ourselves can enter into silence and solitude. So we talked about the first four last week, resting, waiting, feeling, and naming. Uh, and then this, week, uh, this morning we're gonna talk about hearing, the hearing from God, and then next week we'll talk about being transformed and reentry. So this morning I just wanna focus on this idea of hearing from God in silence and solitude. And so as we do that, I want to invite you to open up uh, a Bible to 1 Kings 19. We'll be uh, camped out there this morning. If you have a Bible on your phone, you can do that. Just pull it up uh, real quick. 1 Kings 19, or you can use one of those blue Bibles that's in a seat near you. Uh, it's on page 255. But 1 Kings 19, looking at verse 8 to start with. Uh, and just to give you a little context this morning, what we're uh, doing is we're picking up the story of Elijah on Mount Horeb, or what uh, in other places is called Mount Sinai in the scriptures. And Elijah arrives there on this mountain after 40 days. He journeys for 40 days, uh, and uh, as we talked about last week, this is a process for him of, of resting at first and then entering into this journey where he's kind of waiting and, and processing internally all that he's experienced uh, and that all he is feeling. It's a time of introspection. And so we, we arrive with him here at this mountain. And as he arrives on the mountain, God asks him a question. God says, what are you doing here, uh, Elijah? And God's question is inviting Elijah just to continue this process of self-examination, uh, of being honest before the Lord about what he is thinking and what he's feeling. And so in verse 10, it all comes to the surface 
uh, Elijah says, basically, you know, to paraphrase, he says, I've done my best. I've been, you know, zealous for you, Lord, passionate about you. Your people are still being unfaithful, though, and I'm all alone. And not only that, I'm alone, and everyone's trying to kill me. And so that's his kind of lament before the Lord. And as we said last week, it's, it's all there. It just all comes out, and it's, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? He just lays all that out on the table. And so now that it's all out on the table, as it were, between the Lord and Elijah, uh, they can kind of get real now and kind of process this together. And so that's what happens in our reading this morning. In verse 11, God speaks to Elijah. And this is what he says. He says, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. Go out and stand there on the side of this mountain because I'm about to pass by you, is what the Lord says to Elijah. So Elijah goes out and he waits for the Lord. Uh, and I imagine as he's waiting for the Lord, he must have been thinking, you know, finally, here, here we go, right? He's, he's gone on this long journey, this 40-day journey. He's been, you know, kind of wrestling with all these things in his heart and his mind. He's gotten them out before the Lord. Uh, he's turned his heart inside out. And now he's just, he's got to be kind of longing and, and, and kind of aching, uh, I think, desperate to hear from the Lord is where he is. He's desperate to hear from God. And, and I think that's helpful for us because I think so often when we enter into silence and solitude, that's what we experience. We experience a, a level of desperation because we too are desperate to hear from God. We, we want to hear from God, don't we? We want God to speak in some way, to reveal himself in some way in our lives. We long to hear from the Lord. We're desperate for the Lord. And so even if we're not aware of it, as we enter into this practice of silence and solitude, uh, we go through this process of resting and waiting and feeling and naming. I think what happens is all these things that are inside of us, they, they begin to come out, just like they did for Elijah. And, and as they come out, we encounter our questions, we encounter our fears, our doubts. We, we, we have all these things that, that come up that we believe about ourselves things that we believe about God, all this gets kind of churned up in the water. And so it may not be obvious at first when we enter into this space of silence and solitude, this time alone with God, but as we do, we become more and more aware. We become more aware that there's something that we desperately need from God. We need something from the Lord. And I think it's important to realize that dynamic because I think sometimes when, when, when we encounter that, that desperate feel for the Lord, um, what happens is we want God to go big. We, we want God to show up in a big and powerful way. And that makes sense because in those moments, we typically feel really small, don't we? In those moments where we encounter our problems, where we're honest about our pain, our suffering, the internal wounds maybe that we've been carrying around, the questions that we have, when we encounter that stuff, it can be overwhelming, can it? It can be really intense. And so we're eager for the Lord to show up and for God to, to feel bigger than those things. We, we want God to show up and feel bigger than all that stuff in our life. We crave, in other words, this proof of the power of God. We want to experience the power of God in our lives. We need to experience his presence in a big way. And I think that's what Elijah felt in this moment. He wanted God to show up in a really big way. He needed God to show up in a big way. So look what happens next in verse 11. In verse 11 it says, And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke 
in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. So when I was growing up in Charlotte as a kid, I remember Hurricane Hugo blew through uh, our city when I was a little boy. And I remember looking out the bedroom window uh, and seeing these 30-foot-tall oak trees that were in my front yard being bent over by the wind so much that the tops of the trees were almost literally touching the ground. Like that's how hard the wind was blowing. And I remember in Raleigh, uh, there was a tornado. Now we used to live in Raleigh, North Carolina, and there was a tornado that blew through downtown and just wreaked havoc, just destruction, devastation. I saw the aftermath. In other words, I've seen what powerful wind can do. I think, you know, if you live in Houston, you've seen what wind can do, right? Has anyone ever seen wind split a mountain? Okay, I mean, that, like, I read that, and I kind of like, oh, yeah, the wind broke the mountains. I was like, wait a minute, go back. The wind broke the mountains? Like, separated rock from rock. I've seen powerful wind. I've never seen that kind of wind, right? This is wind on another level, another order of magnitude. And so Elijah's standing there on the side of this mountain, and there's a wind that's literally splitting the mountains. It's that powerful. So you want to talk about going big. This is big, Right? Something big shows up, but then it's interesting, right? It's big, it's powerful, but what does it say? It says God wasn't in it, wasn't in the wind. It's interesting, it goes on from there. It says, after that, after the wind, there was an earthquake. I've never experienced an earthquake. I don't ever want to experience an earthquake. I don't know what it feels like to have the ground shaking under your feet. I'm sure it's unnerving, especially if you're on a mountain. It probably is a little bit scary when everything starts shaking and things start falling. And again, it's this powerful demonstration. But yet again, we're told God wasn't in it. And then finally, there's a fire. (laughs) If if wind that splits mountains and earthquakes weren't enough, now there's fire that appears. And again, just this powerful force that shows up. And again, God wasn't in the fire. That's what we're told. Now first, I think... You know, if you're familiar with this story, you can kind of take for granted Elijah in this moment. Uh, Elijah is still there. He's still standing there after the wind, after the earthquake, after the fire. He is still there on the side of this mountain waiting for the Lord. If it had been me, I think I would have gotten off the mountain. (laughs) I think I would have, oh yeah, Lord, I think you said the valley. Go to the valley, not go on the mountain, right? I think that's what you said. But to Elijah's credit, he stayed. He stayed there. How amazing. He waited on the Lord, in other words. He did what the Lord asked him to, and he waited. And I bring that up because it speaks to me. It speaks to me because the truth is, about half the time, I'm not even willing to wait 10 minutes for the Lord to show up in my life. In my prayer life, I am so impatient. If I don't feel something on a Sunday morning in that first song of worship, Man, there's a part of me that goes, I guess God's not going to show up today, you know? It's not feeling it. You guys know what I'm talking about? That impatience. We want God to show up, to show up big, and we want him to show up now the way that we want him to. And it's amazing to me that Elijah waited on the Lord. He didn't give up. And we give up so quickly. And so it just encourages me, be willing to wait. Be willing to wait on the Lord. Because that's when it happened for Elijah. It says in verse 12, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. 
It's translated a lot of different ways. Maybe a, a still small voice, it might say in your Bible, or a quiet voice, or even sometimes it'll say a thin silence or a thin quietness. But the point is that God, God doesn't go big here. He comes in this soft whisper. You know, when you are desperate for God to do something big, I think there's a temptation. I think there's a temptation to over-spiritualize what it means to hear from the Lord. I think we can be tempted to look for and to wait for something really big, something huge, something extraordinary in a moment from God. We want the wind, right? We want the earthquake. We want the fire. We want God to do something big in our lives. And you know what? Sometimes God does big things. I'm not saying don't ask for big things. But I think what Elijah shows us is that it's, it's important that we remember that God doesn't just work in the big things. Sometimes he whispers. Sometimes he whispers. And if we don't realize that, we can be prone to think that if God doesn't show up big, he hasn't shown up at all. And I think that's important. We need to realize that, that, that God doesn't just always show up in big ways. Because if we think he only shows up in big ways, when he doesn't show up in a big way, we're going to wonder, where are you, Lord? How come you didn't answer my prayer? How come you don't seem to be here? Where's the sign? Where's the miracle? And we give up on the Lord. We stop asking for things in prayer. At worst, we become convinced that God doesn't even exist. He doesn't even care about it. The enemy sneaks in and uses that right, to convince us of things, all kinds of things that aren't true. Where's your God now, he says. So I think it's important that we realize that God shows up in the big ways, but also in small ways, that we don't give up, that we don't make wrong assumptions about God when he doesn't meet our expectations. Because God didn't show up the way that Elijah expected him to. He showed up in a very different way, I think. And so it's important for us to cultivate, just reiterates to me why it's so important for us to cultivate this practice of silence and solitude. Cultivating this practice of listening for the Lord. Because we need to understand that God most often, I think, speaks in the whisper into our life. I was thinking about this. I mean, is there anything more intense or kind of intimate than a whisper from someone you love? Right? Just think about what it feels like, you know? I get those little goosebumps on my neck when, like, somebody whispers in my ear like that. You know, like, it just, it, it feels close. It feels in, intense. It feels personal. And that's what God does. He whispers. I mean, what, a, what an amazing choice of communication. God gives a gentle whisper. I think, again, it just reiterates the voice of God can be something really simple. Can it? I mean, you know about this by experience. You know that God can speak to you in really simple ways. He can just speak to you through a simple word from the scriptures, just something he brings to your mind. Sometimes he just speaks in simple prayers from a friend. Maybe it's a a word of encouragement that you desperately needed. It just comes at just the right moment. Maybe it's, it's a prophetic word. Maybe it's a picture, an idea, a dream. God can speak in all kinds of small ways, but that doesn't mean they're insignificant. They can be really powerful. There's meaning in these small ways because more often than not, that's how God speaks into our lives. And so I would say God is always whispering to us. 
He is always speaking to us. And I think the biggest challenge most of us have when it comes to hearing from God really is a lot of times we're just not listening. We're not listening. We're looking for the big, and we just miss the whisper. We're never slowing down enough. We don't, we don't pause enough. We don't, like Elijah, wait. Wait for the Lord to speak. And so I just want to ask you, is it possible this morning that you're struggling to hear from the Lord because maybe you don't even believe he's speaking to you? Maybe you're not convinced that he has anything personal to speak into your life. God is just some far off distant being that you have a hard time relating to. And so I think it's important just to remember one of the essential truths of the Christian faith is that God communicates with us. He communicates with us. We know that from his scriptures. It tells us that he communicates with us through his Holy Spirit. The rhythm of speaking and listening is at the heart of every relationship that we have. It's a part of the dynamic of every relationship that we have in this life. And so surely it's a part of our relationship with God. Speaking and listening is a part of our relationship with the living God. That's why Jesus said to his followers, I'm going to go away and I'm going to send to you my Holy Spirit. And he called the Holy Spirit, he called the Holy Spirit his advisor, our advisor. He called the Holy Spirit our counselor, our comforter, the one who comes alongside us. The one who, in John 16, 13, speaks and leads us into all truth. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He's the one that leads us into truth. And so we know that God is speaking to us. But I think the real question is, how do we recognize God's voice? How do we know it's God's voice? Not like the bad tacos from last night or, you know, just our imagination or or our wishful thinking. This is what I want. I'm going to tag it with God and the Holy Spirit. I'm just, you know. I think we all wonder about that. How do we know it's God's voice and not just our own or someone else's? And what I would say is hearing from God is something that we learn to do. Maybe that's the most helpful way to think about it. Hearing from God is something that we learn to do. We learn to listen to the sound of his voice. And I think the starting point for us in this is Jesus. Jesus is the starting point for learning how to recognize God's voice. Hebrews 1-2 says this. It says, in the last days, God has spoken to us by his son, by Jesus That's why we, as a community here at Apostles, we we say, you know, we have these goals. And one of the main goals we have is to be with Jesus. We want to draw near to Jesus. We want to listen to Jesus. And the primary way we do that is through the scriptures. By God's revealed word. 2 Timothy 3.16 reminds us that all scripture scripture is what? God-breathed, right? It's living It's the Spirit of God at work through his word in our lives. It's God breathed. Psalm 119.11, one of my favorite verses. It says, we've hidden God's word in our hearts. Why? So that we can follow him. So that we we know him. We, we, We know the word. And because we know and understand the word, we can know and recognize God's voice in our lives. And so the important thing I think there is just with God's voice to remember it is always consistent. God's voice is always consistent with the scriptures and with his son, Jesus. And so that's a starting point. And I think the truth is learning to hear the, the voice of God, it, it just, it feels overwhelming. It feels a little bit scary. It feels a little weird maybe to some of us. And I think the important thing to remember is that it's, it's just something that begins to happen as you spend a time alone with God. 
As you spend time alone, the more familiar God's voice will become. And it's like any other relationship. You know, if, if, you, if you were to hand me a phone right now, and on the other end was Langley, my wife, and she, just, she were to say hello, that's all I would need. I wouldn't need to call her ID. You wouldn't have to tell me who's on the phone. If I hear her voice, I'll know it's her because I, I've come to recognize her voice. I know her voice, and that's how it is with the Lord. You just, the more time you spend with him, the more you come to know his voice. So not only is God speaking, but we, we can learn to hear his voice. Like Elijah, we can learn to hear from God. Now, just as we wrap things up, there's, there's one thing that's always puzzled me, always stood out to me about this story uh, about Elijah. And maybe it has for you too. I've always wondered, what is it that God said? What was in the whisper? We're never told. Like God whispered something to Elijah is what we're told, but we don't know what he said. But what we do know, we do know is that whatever God said, it was exactly what Elijah needed to hear in that moment. It was a game changer for Elijah. The whole story pivots right there. And we know that because in verse 13 it says this. It says, and when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. See, to cover your face in this day and age, it was an act of humility. To cover your face in the presence of someone else was to acknowledge that they are so much greater than you are. It was to say, I know my place in this relationship, and God, you are so much bigger and so much more powerful and so good, so beyond me, that I have to literally cover my face. I just want to ask us, when was the last time you were alone with God and felt something like that? Just felt this sense of awe for no other reason than that God is God. That you'd encountered the living God and you, you just were overwhelmed in the presence of God himself. That, that you would feel this impulse like Elijah, maybe to fall on your knees, to get on your face on the floor. That you've come into the presence of God because that's what happens here. It just left Elijah silent. And it moved him to worship. His heart is oriented towards this, this place of awe. He covered his face. And so whatever God said in this moment, what's absolutely clear is it was more true than anything else Elijah had believed up to that moment. It was more true than anything Elijah had known about God. Because in that moment, he realized more deeply and more profoundly who God was. That God was God and that he wasn't. And so he covered his face. And I think it comes down to this. When we allow when we allow ourselves to really enter in to God's presence in this practice of silence and solitude, not just a few minutes here or there, not, not just on a Sunday morning, but if we really allow ourselves to come into God's presence, when we allow ourselves to abide there, to rest there, to stay there, what happens is we begin to see things as they really are. Begin to see God for who he really is. And there's really, there's really incredible freedom in that place. 
There's a freedom in that place of silence and solitude because in that place, God is God of our lives. And we begin to experience what God can do in our lives when he's God of our lives. We begin to experience that peace that we long for, that rest that we desperately need, that sense of of what the Bible calls shalom, that, that wholeness that we were created for. It's a place where we encounter this God who whispers to us, the God who loves us and is faithful to us, the God who is gentle and patient. It's in his presence that we can rest and recalibrate and get realigned with him and his purposes. We can see the world, in other words, from his perspective. And so it's in silence and solitude that we can come into his presence where there's no words, where there's this moment in the space beyond words, where it's just worship and receiving. And so that's what we want to experience. That's what God, that's what Jesus is inviting us into in this practice of silence and solitude. Because when we're silent before him in that way, in the depths of our soul, we're ready to hear the whisper. We're ready to hear what God wants to say for us. We're ready for him to speak, to correct, to restore, to heal. We're ready to be transformed. And so that's what we're going to talk about next week. How we're transformed in that place of silence and solitude. I just want to encourage you, um, you know, as we're working through this process, we've put some stuff online. Uh, and you know, I want to give you some practical help. How, how do you actually do this? How do you enter into this space of silence and solitude? And so if you go to the website on the main page, you can click on the silence and solitude um, graphic, and it'll take you to a place where there's several weeks that we posted there. Uh, and you can just work through week by week. Uh, if you haven't started yet, just jump in and get started. Or if you have, we'll post week four there, and you can kind of continue to press in in this process of hearing from the Lord. But I want to encourage you to do that. It's one thing to talk about it here. I really want to encourage us to take up this as a practice. That's why we're using this language. Because God is speaking. God is speaking to you. He's speaking to me. And so we want to ask him to help us hear from him. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do ask that you would help us to hear from you. Lord, that we would, we would allow ourselves to enter into your presence, to be still, to be quiet. Lord, that we might hear you speaking into our lives. Lord, we long for that. We're desperate for that. And we don't want to miss it. And so, Lord, help us to hear your voice, to recognize your voice. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.